Hey, I'm glad you're here. This is episode 17, and the conversation continues between me and my friend Karen as we talk about Greg McEwen's book, Essentialism. We're talking about this book because it addresses key components to being a good, even great, owner of your life. Karen Backway is a physician turned life coach. She's super smart with delightful insights. And we're talking about part three of the book today. Eliminate how to cut out the trivial many. And it's a little uncomfortable for me. I'm in the middle of actually doing this in my life. It can be hard, but it's worth it. Now, I do apologize for some of the hissy sound you may hear on my end of things in the recording. I had some technical challenges, and I did the best I could with them. This is done beats perfect in action, folks. Grab a copy of the book Essentialism if you haven't already. You don't have to have a book to listen into our discussion, though. Enjoy. Here we go. Welcome to an owner's guide for your life. The podcast that combines psychology, coaching, common sense, and fun. I'm Tracy Browning, an entrepreneur, life coach, and lover of people. Now, let's talk about how to live, love, make money, and change the world. All right. Welcome to Essentialism, part three. And I kind of feel like I should go dun, 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 with some really dramatic music. <laughs> part three is elimination. And I'm back with my friend, Karen Backway. Hello, hello. Karen. Hello, hello. Oh, I am so, so grateful that you agree to talk with me about this. It's so much fun. I, I enjoy oh, it. I do. Yeah. It is. It's great. I'm glad you haven't eliminated our conversations. Oh, look at you. Look at you. <laughs> that right in. No. <laughs> it helps me figure things out and it helps me apply it. This when I now I don't know how you read things, but like when I read things, I love to read. I love to read fast. And what happens is I read a lot, very fast. But then I don't take the time to put it to work. So this is really helping me slow down and focus and apply things in my life. I like that. Absolutely agree. So many people have the same affliction. They read all kinds of really useful information and then put it down. Right. Even if you only take one or two nuggets from essentialism and intentionally apply it to your life, I think it has the power to make a significant impact. Significant I agree. Impact, right? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I want to start with um, very, very first chapter. He talks about essential intent. Yes, and I have that I, written in big letters on my whiteboard here. I know it's a really good concept. So maybe if this is the only one we're going to follow, maybe it's the one we should scratch on our <laughs> whiteboards. And it is 
you ask yourself the question, if we could be truly excellent at only one thing, what would that one thing be? That is a marvelous question. Mm. And then the second question that I think goes with it is, how will you know when you're done? Yes. So many people move the goalpost when they start to get close to whatever their end goal is. So they never achieve it because they just, oh, they, they move it. And then it, it's self-defeating purpose. Set a goal, run through it. <laughs> Insen essential intent, set a goal and run through the goalpost. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Which, you know, when I started reading the chapter, because he calls it clarify to make one decision that makes a thousand decisions unnecessary later. I didn't think that was where he was going with it because I love the idea of making one decision that makes it so much easier later. And, you know, the example that always comes to mind for me for that is like Steve Jobs and what he wore. He wore a uniform, like a turtleneck and jeans and tennis shoes all the time. He wasn't wasting his decision-making energy on what do I wear today? So I thought that was really where he was going to go with this. But I really, I love that whole idea of essential intent. What, what one thing do you want to be excellent at? And how do you know when you're there? It's kind of okay, it makes me stop and think, don't just read through this, don't just read it fast and go, yep, I read another book, stop and think, what one thing do I want to be excellent at? It's hard to narrow it down to one thing, do you think? Is it hard for you? Oh, it's incredibly difficult because there's so many good things that you're not choosing. Yeah. that you're selecting out in a way. And I think we talked about this last time, maybe, that on, you know, ranking things from seven or from 10, scale of 10 to one, and the eight and nines are easy. Right. The less than fives are easy. It's the sixes and sevens that are good. Are they the best? So you're in this chapter, he's getting us to eliminate everything under eight and that's kind of scary that's hard work yes. so what is the one thing you want to excel at mm. i would go as far to say you should be able to divide that up into different aspects of your life and i was just going to say that as i'm sitting here thinking okay if i say i want to be excellent at coaching but do I have to rank that as a higher priority than excellent, more excellent at wifing? <laughs> I want or, to be an excellent wife. <laughs> you know? Or mother. Right. right. Yeah. So, you know, what is the one thing about coaching that you want to excel at, that you absolutely love and would do for free forever? To me, that's a fairer question than the only thing that you, the one and only thing right. that you will excel at. And you only get one thing. Oh, yeah. I just. Mm, that's I a like little it. bit too limit, limiting. Now, he, he does talk about hell yeses and that you should have between four and five hell yeses that you 
decide on in your life. And then each of those areas of your life, then focus on the one thing. So, I mean, I did, did this exercise since we started chatting about this, I sort of reevaluated what's important to me. And I came up with four hell yeses. And these are mine. They don't have to be anybody else's. It's just an idea that, you know, for me, it's connection, which is, you know, friends and family is in the relationships that you have in your life. Right. Second one is my own health and well-being, getting exercise, eating appropriately getting your weight right those kinds of issues Mm -hmm. the third one is building my business and the fourth one is the role that I play with Oak Ridge Academy on in the board which is um, moving something it's important to me and it helps me build a purpose that's beyond myself Right, right. So those four things for activities, things makes it sound like it's diminished, but they're four activities that I have deemed important for me. Mm -hmm. And now the trick is to pick the one thing that I'm going to be focused on at this time. So connection, I mean, family is important. Up here, it happens to be Thanksgiving weekend. And so, you know, we had Thanksgiving dinner and the whole family was there and a good time was had by all. We actually ate outside. It's warm enough. It's lovely. Um, Building my business. I'm starting to do some more writing and some more blogging. And I've got a mastermind group that I'm in. Thank you, Tracy. Invited me to that. It's lovely. And, you know, there's, that's important to me. It helps me focus on what I need to be doing now. It may change next month, but right now the most important thing is to get me thinking and writing and offers and those sorts of things. Right. right. It doesn't have to be one thing for the rest of my life. It's until I'm done with whatever that one thing is in my view. <laughs> and, and I like that. That feels so much better. And I, I had shared with you right before we started recording that I thought, ah, I'm not sure I like this section of the book as much as I like the others. All right. Here's why I don't like it, because I don't like to eliminate stuff. One of the things that in, in the later chapters, and he's got several chapters here in the elimination section of dare, how to say a graceful no, and and how to uncommit and how to edit. And it's in that uncommit chapter where he says, get over your fear of waste. I threw the book down because I said, oh no, this is exactly what I'm dealing with, with going through my father-in-law's estate that my husband and I and his sister and and her, her husband, we are having to go through the whole household and dismantle his life. And there's sadness with that, but there's also, and I don't think I'm too unusual with this, but there's this fear of waste. Those are perfectly good pots and pans. This good someone else could use. Oh, yes. (laughs) But, But it's the... And there's, okay, gosh, it feels awful to say that feels, okay, miserly, stingy, thrifty. I don't like the word stingy. I don't want to say I'm stingy, but I, 
I have this intense, I don't want to waste something. And your point there is the same point that my mother made to me. She said, okay, just ask yourself, so who needs this more than, than we do now? And some things we want to keep for the, the sentimental value. But then there's some other things that it's, okay, it's not like we're trying to keep everything, but there's still the California raisins. (laughs) Oh, you know why I kept those? They make me laugh. And I love that. But I'm probably going to move them on after a while because I don't need 20 California raisins sitting there on the shelf looking at me. No, but you could keep one for posterity's sake, right? I could. <laughs> right. But that letting go, that letting go, and you know, and he does make lots of points about like the Concord jet. Lost money mm-hmm. for over 40 years. Oh. They lost money. Right. And that's where he talks about the uh, the sunk costs of keeping a decision going. Yes. Even yes. when you reevaluate it, you go, oh, but I've put so much time or so much money or both into this. Right. Right. You keep waiting for that big payoff. And that's the and point I, he's making, right? Yeah. And I think that's a situation a lot of people find themselves in in different times and places. How do you know when to stop? Well, if you go back to, all right, I'm very clear on my essential intent. What's important? (laughs) How do Mm -hmm. I know when when I'm there, when it's done? Then you can, it's a little easier to weigh, all right, is this something worth continuing? He talks about um, different questions that you should ask yourself when you find yourself stuck in sunk costs. Right. If you were to start from scratch now, would you? A good one. And Mm -hmm. knowing what you've invested now, you know, putting that aside, how much would you invest if you had to do it now? Right. Would you buy this all over again? Maybe not. Right. But you already have it or you've already invested how you know fifty thousand dollars or whatever in whatever the situation is and you could say how does this impact how you're feeling whichever decision direction you go so if you say nope i am done and you have this knot in the pit of your stomach and you feel upset initially you may feel that way but if that lingers then maybe that's not the decision you need to make. Or if you make the same decision, you're just like, oh, so much lighter. This was absolutely the right thing. Then how you feel can confirm your decision. Yes, yes. And as you're talking, I'm thinking, you know, reading the book, he does give a lot of different questions, a lot of different ways to not only evaluate, what you could uncommit from, but he gives some great list of ways to say no <laughs> without actually saying no. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I really like that. But as I'm listening to what you're saying, I'm thinking, okay, here's the difference in what you and I do as life coaches. 
that we even go deeper, kind of the, the foundation of the questions and what, what are you feeling when you have these questions and what do your feelings lead you? What actions do your feelings lead you into? So there's this whole untapped arena that his book doesn't get to. It's kind of like he's got the play-by-play, but we, in working with someone in coaching, are looking more at how's it really playing out for you and how are you feeling? And you know, as you, if you're feeling really good about that, then yeah, close that chapter. Does do the conscious uncoupling. I don't know why that term came to mind, but I guess that's why. Who was it? Gwyneth Paltrow and whoever she's married. You're looking very puzzled. So you don't know what. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm wondering, I'm racking my brains thinking uncoupled. What? What did you call it? Uncoupled? That, that was the term they used instead of divorce, that they consciously uncoupled, which, okay, this was a few years ago, and they, mm. whoever she was married to, now I cannot remember who, they took a lot of grief for it, but I think, okay, well, that's an interesting term. All right. We evaluated, we chose, we made the decision consciously to no longer be a couple it's kind of this essentialism in action there yeah you got me on that one when I first read this book I I made a mental note about what he what he's calling here is zero based budgeting right that's something that accountants do at the end at at a year end Mm -hmm. and they basically they put everything, all of the contracts, all of the things that it is that accountants do, and they budget for it as if it was a brand new thing. Will I continue with this particular contract? Do I need this to keep going forward? And every single thing, like you can do it with your life. You can do, do I still want this mortgage? Do I still want to live in this house? Do I still want to have a dog? Do I want to get a second dog? Whatever. And you put everything on the table and then you select out what you want to keep going forward. Mm -hmm. And it's just, to me, it's a way of asking yourself what's important now. You may no longer need a five bedroom house on a one and a half acre lot on the edge of town. You might want now a two bedroom condo downtown. Things have changed. So when you put every decision that you've made with all the stuff and contracts and decisions that you have on the table and pick now what is most valid. It's a great way to sort through the clutter. It really is. And, and that's where, you know, when he talks about that in the book, and then I'm, I'm looking at some of my notes I've made and it, he, he hits that theme in several chapters of deliberately subtracting which is what you're doing with zero-based budgeting. You're starting from zero. Well, there you're deliberately adding, but if you're going to edit. You're going to consciously choose, I want this, I don't want this. And the things that don't meet my hell yes standard, I'm not going to do. And one of the things he talks about too is that when you're condensing 
this doesn't mean that you're just getting better at multitasking and doing a whole lot of stuff faster. (laughs) It means there's less waste. You're going to do a lot more thinking and sorting through your options and actively choosing. And in the end, I mean, like any new thing, at first, a new thing is, is kind of cumbersome and takes a lot of time and effort and energy. But once you get used to doing this, I already see it happening with me that it's easier to evaluate those choices and it's easier to go, mm, maybe I don't need this. Yeah, maybe this is a five, so I'll just let it go. When you were describing that, I I was flipping through the book and one of his very pages with very big letters (laughs) talks about the Latin root of the word decision is actually cis, C-I-S, which literally means to cut or to kill. So you make a decision and you kill your options. That's a way to think about it. Hey, that's why uh, you probably don't like this chapter on it. I was just going to say, that's why I don't. That is why. Well, part of it too. Mm, okay. How much like heartfelt confessions do I want to make? I don't know. I was telling somebody the other day. I'm fairly laid back and easygoing. And over my life, you ask me where I want to eat, it doesn't matter. I'm up for anything. You know, I kind of go with the flow. But what that, that leads to is when I have to make a decision, it's really hard. Cutting off the other choices feels like cutting off a finger sometimes, which is dramatic. But sometimes that's how it feels. But the more you practice making the decisions, the easier it gets. And the more JOMO you get, joy of missing out. Yes. So for sure, this section was more challenging in the concepts that it offers. So it's hard to start to remove the good things and keeping only the best things. Right. I also would imagine and believe, like you just said, it gets easier the more you do it. Because that the best activities are going to create more of the best you and the best version of you and your future. Exactly. Exactly. I don't know that you could really do this effectively if you didn't have a fairly clear idea of where you were going and what you wanted. Well, Well, that's part of the exploration stuff. Right. Which is why you explore before you eliminate. And I'm having this, I'm having this scenario pop in my head years ago (laughs) when I I was one of these women who you asked me to do something, of course I'm going to do it. I'm never going to say no. If you ask me, I just feel obligated to say yes. And of course I can do all the things because people ask me to do good things. So I made myself practice saying no without explanation, just no. And it was really, really uncomfortable, (laughs) but I got better at it. 
again, I and did. He I get he takes a lot of courage to say no to good things. It does. It does. And I'm, I'm in fact, very few women can offer a no without an explanation. Yeah. Very hard to do. Would you like to come out for lunch? No, thanks. Well, why not? I know. <laughs> I don't want to. And to say, you know, to not be rude. It's like, right. <laughs> then we get called names. <laughs> we won't go into that, but yeah. yeah. Oh, but when you say it with kindness and just certainty, that calm certainty, no. Will you do this? No. And, you know, he's, he has a really nice list of suggestions of different things to say with that. But I, I like this. It's catching my eye in my notes. Go for the slow yes and the quick no. You know, you can always say, well, I'll check my calendar. Or, you know, if you're really uncomfortable, you could put it off on something else. Let me get back to you. Um, but just for the no. But I've got a lot of work to do on this because I really do want to get better at eliminating the lukewarm activities from my life. I really want that. It's also possible you probably have a lot of that already. I have. I, I have done a, a whole lot of that. So that's probably too why I feel a little more discomfort now because I'm not dealing with the sixes. <laughs> oh, you're dealing with the hot and steamy? <laughs> no, I'm, de <laughs> I'm dealing with sevens and eights, those things that are really good and have a lot of potential. <sighs> but are they my nines? Are they my oh, yeses? They're my. Mm, yes. <laughs> so take it really, it takes thought. It takes a lot of thought and a lot of awareness. All right. Well, I summarize this section as hone in on what matters and stick to it. Be a judicious editor. <laughs> edit, edit, edit. <laughs> Whether it's get cutting your Get your essential intent. Get your essential intent. Know your essential, I can't say it now, essential <laughs> intent. It's hard not to put the in in essential, essential intent. Know it, stick to it, eliminate everything else. Well, next chapter, no, our next section is much more fun. Yay. I like fun. I need we'll that. <laughs> yeah. Part four comes up next. All right. Yes. Well, thank you so much for chatting.